0: Avalanche Devil
1: Welcome everyone to the Launchpad here in Puckberg, a podcast for the Daring Do Bad and Good Pucktails on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, with another episode of Pucktails. woo hoo! <laughs> That's right, and the you-know-who on the other end of the woo-hoo is our third and final guest here on Slapshot Sweethearts Week over here in Puckburg. We got Shannon Walsh. How is it going? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is an absolute honor. It's an absolute honor. Um, we will have you. You are the last of the three coming on for uh, Slapshot Sweethearts Week. And you are the one, the Boston Bruins <laughs> rep of the Sweetheart. So let's go ahead and start the origins of your hockey fandom. And what about the game of hockey um, secured your fandom? So let's start at the beginning. What was your that moment for you when it came to the game of hockey that stood out for you amongst the rest?
0: Yeah. So I grew up in Massachusetts, obviously. um, And I lived probably 20 or 30 minutes from the Dunkin' Donuts Center where the Providence Bruins play. So although I got to go to quite a few Bruins games, once I really got into hockey, the Providence Bruins games were cheap. They're $10. You know, you can go, it's one of those things that like your aunts or uncles would just bring you to when you're younger, because it's a cheap, fun thing to do with your nieces and nephews. And so I went to one actually with a good friend of mine from high school with her parents and when the team was warming up we went down to the ice since it's not a large arena and we got to watch all the warm up and I absolutely fell in love with it one of the guys actually passed it was Matt Frazier who I don't know if you remember but he passed his broken stick over the glass to us Um, and just being able to like engage with the players while they're warming up and you know seeing everything that was going on I absolutely fell in love with it and this was in 2013 so it was right as the Bruins we're going to make their cup run against the Blackhawks and obviously they lost, but it was really exciting right as I had gone to that game to then see the Bruins really go into a deep playoff run. And that entire few months, just like absolutely solidified, not only my love for hockey, but just after that, I completely immersed myself in sports, which was, I mean, I was a fan, but not to the degree I am now.
1: Wow. And that was your first game. They handed you the broken stick.
0: I had been to games before but not I wasn't as again it was like something you could do with your family yeah. it wasn't something that I was like very excited to watch the game um and so that's kind of what I really <laughs> took off
1: yeah I, I could totally get that um I've been to like a minor league baseball game we had out here in Birmingham and I got a broken bat from Gordon Beckham who eventually made his way to the show and it was one of those like super cool moments that you treasure and yeah, when you were talking about the broken stick, I was like, yeah, I can, I could totally relate with that minor league moment of like getting that piece of equipment and you're like, you know what? This sport's pretty all right. Yeah. I'm hoping
0: I still have it. I don't know. Since I haven't lived in Massachusetts in six, almost seven years now, and I know it's in my childhood bedroom, but I don't know if it's still in there. So I'm going to have to, next time I go up there, dig for it now that, you know, <laughs> we're moving and I'm going to have a good like podcast area. Hopefully I can find it.
1: Yeah. That, and and that was a good year to really get behind the uh, the Bruins, like you said. And um, I, a lot of the stories on here, it's that first year with the game, everybody kind of, the team they latch on usually finds success and you just kind of get wrapped up in that moment. And it feels a lot more personal to you. So that's just, I, I find that fascinating that it's just, Through all these episodes of here in Puckburg, there's always that one moment of like, you kind of latch onto this team and it just, and you gravitate to the moment. Yeah,
0: because they did so well. A lot of my friends were like, oh, you're just a bandwagon fan. Like, you're not going to like the Bruins next year. And uh, clearly that did not (laughs) stick since I've been such a passionate sports fan since then. Um, but it was just funny. I mean, you know, some people don't care at all about bandwagon fans and some people, cause you know, it's just growing the sport. Yeah, um, And some people get so passionate about it. They're like, you're not a real fan, blah, 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 as if it matters. Like, I don't care. Yeah.
1: And I've never understood the rationale behind people getting mad at bandwagon fans. I'm just glad to have fans
0: right. <laughs> shoulder
1: like, to shoulder with. So. Hockey
0: needs more support. So I don't care. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. And you said you... Uh, used to live in Massachusetts and I think you're in uh, the Washington area now yeah yeah so what about uh, moving around and finding that hockey community to uh, you know find your people your hockey uh, your hockey community has that been difficult in your move or so
0: yes and no when I was in undergrad which is where I met my co-host Megan um I we met in our sorority. And so Megan said it before in our show, but kind of the thing that connected us initially was that we were like the sport people, like, you know, in a sorority of 90 to 100 women, you're not going to find a ton of people that are checking football scores during our, you know, weekly meetings on Sundays. Like, so it, it kind of became a joke for us. And that was something that was common throughout college i was like always talking you know for at a party like with the guys about sports and not with the women um and so there were only a few people that i knew two of which are very close friends of mine now that really followed hockey um and so now that we started the podcast which is now just about eight months old which is crazy um Twitter has actually been really significant for us because I did not really use Twitter besides when I joined BellyUp, which has actually been a year since I joined BellyUp, which is also crazy. But um, I didn't really use Twitter and I, I didn't think it was like as significant for both networking, but also getting to know people. I have friends on Twitter that I speak to every day more than I speak to my normal friends. So like <laughs> it's very interesting the way that people leverage social media from that perspective of you know getting to know the, the hockey Twitter community or just the podcast community it's yeah. incredible
1: yeah and it's it, speaking to like the hockey Twitter community it's almost the digital version of like how you said like uh, you and meg like kind of bonded over sports It's that one thing like no matter where you go if you're happening to wear like a Bruins something right. and you're like out in the store or somewhere and you see somebody with an opposing NHL or maybe even on the same team, that's somebody you could just make eye contact with and you both know what's up. And right. that's, and I think that's what hockey Twitter has turned into. Everybody will put that in their bio or a hashtag and you're like, oh, so that's where you fall. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, it's the digital version of the hockey community. It's, um, it's fascinating. And in the DC area, it, can you tell, is there a difference between like the Massachusetts hockey scene and maybe the Washington hockey scene?
0: Yeah, so it's Washington's a really interesting city because it's it's really a trans, transplant city. Um, a lot of the fans are not from DC. Granted, the Capitals do have a pretty large fan base, um, but it's from a vast area of DC, Virginia, and Maryland, and even beyond because the the next closest team is I think Philadelphia, maybe New Jersey. So it's it's not close. Um, and then when you think about who people are rooting for, there is again a good like fan base at Capital One Arena, but it's usually 50-50 based around who the opposing team is. If it's someone from like, if it's like San Jose, then it's not going to be as much. But if it's like Boston or Pittsburgh, it's usually 50-50 on who's there from, you know, Washington or the opposing team. And that goes for most of the Washington teams, particularly the Washington football team. It's usually 50-50 based off of who the opposing team is in the proximity to DC. Um, and that's just the way that it is. as as a city there's not as many people it's not a large city it has less than a million people living in it um and it's funny yesterday when i was watching the euro cup final it's bars were packed because it's internet like international sports are just so much more important to people than local sports Um, so i mean it's just it's very like you said different than massachusetts where you know if i want to go anywhere and the bruins are on i know there's going to be at least four or five people in a bruins shirt even if it's just a normal game on a tuesday
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that also has a lot to do. The reason I asked that question is with the success that Boston had, especially earlier on Mm -hmm. and more history. And I had Ryan McCarthy on of no credentials required on Friday. And he was talking about falling in love with the devils when they played against the capitals in the late eighties and the capitals at that time. And historically were just a bad team until recently. So it's, it's a, a new fandom if you will, even though the team's been there a while, it's more of a a new success that they found. And I'm really
0: interested to see what happens to the Capitals fan base when Alex Ovechkin's not here anymore. Exactly, Um, It's one of those things. And I mean, there are other organizations that I wouldn't say it's a problem, but they, they're, they're, uh, followed because they have one star player and the Capitals don't really have another guy coming up the pipe. That's going to fill that role. Granted replacing Alex Ovechkin itself is going to be very difficult, but there's already rumors that TJ Oshie going to go to Seattle. Like he's one of the main names flying around. So if you wanted to keep that core group of people that the fans like you've got Tom Wilson, who's contrary. he's no Alex Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, Uh, Kuznetsov is probably not staying Uh, and Ovechkin's got maybe two years, three years left before he's gone. So, I mean, I think their fan base is going to significantly change in the next five years.
1: And you don't want to make the star of your team, Nick Dowd from right here in Alabama. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I wonder about that myself. And I think honestly, uh, the Penguins also suffered that same problem. Um, It was kind of a passing of the baton from super Mario to Sidney Crosby at that time and when he also because him and uh Alex Ovechkin are about that same age yeah when the they start and Pittsburgh has that same problem so it's interesting to see what those teams and fan bases look like in the next five ten years or, the,
0: or Patrick Kane with the Blackhawks too I mean you could keep going from that that one draft that has most of them As soon as they're gone, unless there's someone else coming up the pipe, like it's less of a significant problem with the Bruins because Patrice Bergeron's the same age as Mm Sidney Crosby, but David Posternock's there, so there's someone that can you know come up the pipe. But it's not for the Capitals. I don't see it, and I think that's really going to affect because it's already a fan base that like yes has a following, but it's no original six organization.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's fascinating to see where that fan base will go and what they will do trying to build for the future and if it's a uncomfortable build or it's something the fan base can embrace and uh, grow with going forward so right it's an interesting move for both of those teams um talking about your fandom you're growing up Bruins fan being a Bruins fan um talk about your hockey journey um in fandom what doors have that opened and what what compelled you to start a hockey podcast
0: yeah so like I said I've been with Belly Up for about a year now. Um, I think it'll be a year at the end of August. Um, but basically I was there, I was writing, I was doing a lot for basketball actually, even though I I do know a lot about basketball and I know a lot about football. I was doing a little bit of fantasy football stuff as well, but my original love, like I said, was hockey. Mm -hmm. So, they approached me and they didn't really have. Now we have plenty of shows that cover hockey, but we didn't have any at yeah. the time. And so they were like, "Would you be interested in starting a show?" Um, blah blah blah. And I said it was really going to depend on who I host it with. So I did a like a little bit of research. I was, you know, again, I had two close friends in college that both liked hockey. I was like, those are my top two. If I can't get either one of those, I'm not doing it. We did a lot of once Megan agreed, we did a lot of back work, you know, designing our logos, figuring all that out. We did a lot of social media promotion before we even recorded an episode and it was a lot of trial and error of you know figuring out what people wanted to see we didn't use YouTube at the beginning it was only Spotify and Apple and we found a lot more success on YouTube than we have with Spotify uh, Mm -hmm. just because of the way that our like fan base is people Mm -hmm. like to engage with us more which is really fun Um, and so from there I mean I have always been a diehard Bruins fan I always will be but I think this show itself because we cover all teams gives you an amazing opportunity to learn more about other fan bases since like we were saying they're so different and so I have found myself really enjoying the Florida Panthers and the New Jersey Devils actually Mm -hmm. Um, just because one they're so different I think they're both underrated in incredibly different ways Um, and really again going back to Twitter there's so much you can learn about other teams and other organizations if you immerse yourself in doing so. And I think Megan's been able to do that for a couple of different teams as well. And so it's been a really great learning opportunity about, you know, like I said, different teams, different fan bases, what people want to see what they want to do. And so it's been, again, only eight months, but it's been quite a journey. And we're really excited to go into the off season. Cause that's another completely different set of content, particularly with Seattle and all that.
1: Yeah. And you guys have done really fascinating videos on like how you guys will rank teams and rank logos and yeah, like, the contrasting opinions on different things it's almost it's like you're sitting in on a conversation and you're like you'll find yourself out loud agreeing with a lot of points (laughs) it's it's very engaging and i i'm a big fan of your content even before i came over here to the belly up network i was a big fan of your content so uh absolutely you guys do an incredible job wanted to say that right now but um before we get ready to uh get ready to wrap everything up why don't you go ahead and throw out your socials as well and how everybody can find Slapshot Sweethearts
0: yeah so you can find me on social media it's swalshy63 so just y 63 Brad Marchand's number so you don't forget <laughs> and you can find Slapshot Sweethearts on literally all social media if you just search us um I do most of our Twitter stuff um our intern Jenna has been doing a ton with graphics with Megan on Instagram and Facebook Uh, We should be I don't do anything with TikTok, but uh, Megan (laughs) and Jenna have big plans for the offseason. So check that out. Um, And like I said, we have a ton of content on YouTube. We did uh, live streams for all of the playoff games. We have a ton of recordings from the NWHL and the NHL. So I know you just had Soraya Tinker on. We had recorded with Anya Packer, Madison Packer, Jillian Dempsey, a couple others. Um, So check those out. Those will be really cool. Um, And we're hoping to get some of those guys back on. As we get toward the October November new season for the Women's League as well,
1: and I do believe two of the three Sweethearts have pets drafted
0: into the. Yes, NWHL. I don't know when Jess <laughs> dog is going to get drafted, but the NWHL is playing hard to get with the rest of those rosters. <laughs> yeah, I uh, uh,
1: think it was it was Buddha got drafted to
0: Boston. Yeah, to Boston, and Murphy, Murphy. went to the Whale. So there's, I, I think, agree. two. La- I think the. The Riveters and the Whitecaps haven't released theirs yet.
1: It would so. only make sense for Jenna's dog to be a Whitecap.
0: Right, right. So, oh. I, I mean, it tracks.
1: But. <laughs> NWHL, get on it. <laughs> but, but uh, of course, hey Shannon, thank you so much for coming on here in Puckberg. And everyone who's listening, make sure you are liking and sharing and subscribing to everything Slapshot Sweetheart's going forward. They're gearing up to get you ready for this offseason, which – technically really isn't an off season because with this expansion draft and the draft coming up in free agency, it's going to be October before you know it. So yeah, uh, make sure you're plugged in with them going forward. And if you're stopping by the show for the first time, um, if you want to follow here in Puckberg on Twitter, that's H Puckberg on Twitter here, underscore N underscore Puckberg on Instagram. We have a Facebook. And if you would like to come on and share your own Pucktail, and your story of uh your history with a game of hockey you can email me at here in puckburg podcast at bellyupsports.com so shannon again thank you so much for coming on here in puckburg absolutely it was an absolute honor and everybody thank you so much for stopping by and we will see you again shortly (laughs)